What's up? How do? How do? How we doing? Doing good. I like this one. This Heard this on the song. ride in. And it's not Greta Van Fleet. Little Led Zeppelin leading us off today. Hey, hey, what can you do? We're back. Another episode. The Soccer Dad Pod. Yes, sir. Got both the carpool co-hosts out today. Jared was a little under the weather the other day. Jared, you feeling better? I'm back. You're back? What'd you do do to get back? What's your protocol to come out of the, the boozies? I worked the grow fest (laughs) 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 and then needed a day to recover or two and uh, I'm tip top now. Tip top. Would uh, Kelly concur? She was also non tip top and she is back now. So we are all back. Good. I was a little worried about you because I know that you are an anti-medicine slash prescribed drugs. Yeah, I individual. I just do. Uh, I, I need to. I need a sauna for my house. A sauna. I've got a guy who's selling one right now. Yeah, I don't want to buy a you sauna, or I don't even want to buy a sauna, but I want one at my house. So I guess that means I need to buy one. But you could build one. I, I just. I just want to sweat it out. Well, like I said, I why don't you just get one of those sweat suits? <laughs> <laughs> Go walking around your neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Or like the wrestlers did when we were in high school and wear trash bags all day and suck on Jolly Ranchers. And spit. And spit. Yeah. You could do that at work, couldn't you? Yeah, probably. <clears throat> just yeah. just do the uh, do the big husky bags, though. You want to yeah. make sure that. Yep. What, what are those, like 10 mil? Although I think <laughs> I think in your, your estimate, sweating it out is similar to bloodletting they used to do in the 15th century. Would you do the leeches? Yeah, yeah I would do the leeches. No way. Yeah, I'm not afraid of leeches. Afraid of vaccines, not afraid of leeches. I'm not afraid of vaccines. You just said you're afraid of medicine. Yeah, but I, I, it's, medicine's a farce. Okay, because I was going to bring up farce. Something. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> let's peel that one back. <laughs> no, no, let's let's don't. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's get some thank yous out of the way first. Well, first thing I want to do today, um, I've been kind of keeping up, refreshing because. Uh, we just kind of casually stumbled into season seven already. I, you know, we've been arbitrarily keeping them in roughly 15 episodes a season. Where's season, season seven? Siete. Wow. Oh, good job. Yeah. So you don't like medicine, but you love Spanish? I do love Spanish. <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rosetta Stone. I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been listening to it and on the way to and from work because... Rosetta uh, Stone or Duolingo? Uh... Uh, my my bucket list is Lionel Messi. Oh, you want to interview him? Uh, yeah. Oh, get him. I mean, he's going to have free time, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. No Lots of free time. Yeah, he's got a couple months. Well, I just want to point out this. Uh, I was going through the numbers, just kind of getting caught up because we've got uh, some supporters and new supporters coming down the pipe that are just wondering, you know, hey, how how's it going? Because mm-hmm. everybody wants to know the numbers. And I'm like, dude, just listen. It's fun. So anyway, I was looking to the numbers and the followers, everything, everybody's clicking the button. So it's the easiest thing you can do. If you like what we do, you want to continue to support, just a little like, little follow, share it. <clears throat> goes a long, long way. So I just want to get that out of the way. Uh, Crescent Plumbing Supply, 
We appreciate all your support. And again, if you're looking at kitchen bath needs, either big project, little project, doesn't matter. Go check it out. They're going to they're gonna keep you on point, get you what you need, and uh, keep you on budget. Um, AxisPT.com just opened a new city location, so I believe they're up to 20 locations. Go check it out to fix that bump, bruise, sprain, strain. Chris and Bill, the Pinnacle Loans. Um, just kind of watching the news today. Uh, rates are moving a little bit. We saw them pull back a little bit. And, you know, markets are kind of showing uh, a little bit of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to help the the financing process. Hit them up. You need more space. You got more kids. You need more bedrooms. Maybe the in-laws, you know, you need a space for them. Or you have too many bedrooms and you don't want your in-laws there. <laughs> you need a smaller house. They can help you there, too. So... That brings us to the beloved pinnacle points of the day. Yep. Beloved. Who's chomping? Who's ch- who's biting at the bit? <laughs> who's biting at the bit? Who's biting at the bit? Um, <laughs> I'll go first. Um, I'm going to go just kind of in my same lane. I'm going to go <clears throat> NCAA, um, and I'm going to talk about our slew Billikens, which is um, a They're short rolling. walk down the road. Um, we had an episode a couple weeks ago down there at Herman um, with some alums when they played Mo State. They tied 1-1. Since 1-1's tie um, in that episode, they've rattled off four straight, four straight wins. Um, I think they're 7-3-2. and two. Um, They have – they've been – in their last eight, they haven't lost. Um, they've now cracked the 20, top 25. Um, last night, they – probably beat a team that's not great for their schedule 3-1 they take care of business they score three goals first time they've scored three goals this year and they scored a fucking hammer last night um it made uh espn it made espn's top five um it was number five maybe top 10 or it was number five on whatever list and uh corner kick uh shitty clearance out top of the box and the christian window kid if i'm saying that right i don't think i am um touch and just a a world-class hammer, top left corner, watch it. Um, Kevin and Kevin and the staff, Jack, they got it cooking down there. And they have four games left at 7-3-2 and two in the top 25. They're in the heart of their conference. Um, they have two home games and two away games. I think they're away this week um, in Chicago this Saturday. And then they come back for Saturday games. They have Saturday fixtures in the next four. And the next two Saturdays after this week, they're at home. And then they finish on the road in Philadelphia against, uh, I think it's St. Joseph's. Are they in Philly? I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, but I, that's who I think it is. And I think that'll be a conference match, too, as well. A-10 match. Um, go check them out. Um, you know, we have a home game here on the 21st for the pro team. We got playoffs shortly thereafter. Um, there is not a lot of high-quality home soccer left in our city other than our guest today in, in that group, and it's getting exciting down the belt. We'll, we'll get to that. But my point is is go out and see your slew Billikens. Agreed. Well, real quick, I want to just – I was sitting here just stat-checking real quick because we've had a handful of uh, these coaches on uh, from – these these bigger programs <clears throat> and i think there's a common denominator because <laughs> they're doing well mm-hmm. uh i iu started off a little bit slow but now they're at four three and four so they're back above 500 mm-hmm. uh but the two in particular that are really you know standing out 
Michigan State still undefeated, 6-0-5. It went on a tough road trip and got two draws away. Yeah. So they're also top 25. And then we have my Granite City boy out there at Akron. They win again. Uh, they're third in the nation and probably will go up a little bit higher, yep. assuming they get out of the weekend. So, so realistically, how many there's how many top 25 programs have <clears throat> coaches from our 314 or 636? Well, SIU's uh, in it. Right. Like, is he from Michigan, though? He's from Michigan. Yeah. I know. It's close. Yeah. You know what? We'll give him another 12 months, then we'll claim him. Okay. How's uh, <laughs> SMU, Tulsa? SMU's in the top five. Um, Tulsa's not a, a, a local guy, I don't yeah, think. Um, okay. McIntosh is not St. Louis-based, but he does recruit in St. Louis, so that's good. They're rolling. They are rolling, too. Um, Zach, what you got, man? Mine's very off-topic. I, last night, had the house by myself, and I went down memory lane. I had a Clark Griswold Christmas moment where I pulled out the old camcorder and watched videos. you get that locked I in the attic? I did not get locked in the attic, and I wasn't wearing Did you a lock robe. yourself in the attic because you heard <laughs> no. the rest of your family? Yeah, and that's kind of like, what it no, was. I'm out. I'm not going Christmas shopping. No, and I just I, I, I watched a video that I had taken in Christmas of 2003 before we had kids, and this video contained um, footage from my mom's house, my dad's house, my grandparents' house on my mom's side and my dad's side, all of them are gone now. And so seeing those family members and, and the grandparents, especially that have, that have passed on, oh God, I, I just, it was, it was rough, but was helped by a little whiskey. Did it ever glitch out to your uh, Beverly D'Angelo moment? <laughs> no, oh. never glitched out. <laughs> um, and the point I'm trying to make is if you have that stuff, if you have collections of those things break them out every once in a while um i'm actually going to be looking to digitize those so i can share them with my my parents who haven't seen you know video images of their parents in 20 plus years um and so and coincidentally they probably liked you then they did yeah that's what i noticed um is how they treated <laughs> me so differently i would love then. you to hire a film crew for this year's holidays and we <laughs> oh, will compare oh, and contrast oh, yeah be good times yeah um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit neutral, it, it, and I don't want this to come off as like a purposely sad or depressing topic. But the other day on Twitter, the Norwich PR team came out. Oh my God! Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I did. It was got a lot of traction. I, I saw a lot. I of thought it. of you and, and your family instantly. So, just simplify this. They cut a video to to apparently friends look like uh that are at a game and they're going through the motion of the game the ups and downs of the game and multiple games actually yeah <clears throat> and the one on the right is happy cheering etc going off like you know the goals complaining when it's bad and the other individual looked as if they really didn't want to be there and they were kind of going through the motions moral support and the happy uh, gentleman hands the sad gentleman the scarf He's like, here, after a win, take it. And then the next cut is the sad guy coming back to their two seats, and he sets it on the the, back of the, the, chair. the friend's chair, and he was gone. So it was uh, suicide awareness p video is what it was. Like, you, you, you don't know. You can't tell. So oh, oh, I, I'm, I didn't bring it up to relive my recent past, but go watch the video. It's just one of those things like... It's impossible to understand 
the the whys and break it down. There are no X's and O's, but what it proved and what it really focused on was you, you, you can't guess it. You don't know. So just try and be cognizant of, you know, really everybody around you. Just check in on your people. I mean, I think that was the message I got from it is even if you've got guys and gals that you hang out with that are always seeming positive and things seem to be going great, check in on them. You know, and, and that it, was one thing on the video. If you noticed the guy that was sad, never asked the happy guy how he was doing. Yeah, no. The happy it. guy always asked the sad guy how he was doing. And so you just don't know. And I, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I do think it's such a something that we don't talk about enough because it's uncomfortable and it's it's difficult to talk about. But I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. You know, because it was just it, it made me think, obviously, about my situation. But then I w immediately was applying the concept of the video to really just looking at my own kids and looking yep. at the people close because kids especially, I mean, they're, they're really good at veiling what's going on. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll smile, but they could be really stressed out in a whole different way. So anyway, I just wanted to bring it up, go to Norwich cities, any of their social media pages, you can't miss it. It's, it's just top class video there. Agreed. Um, now a slightly quicker pinnacle point for before we roll out, take a break and bring on our guest, uh, the sphere. Oh yeah. In Vegas. Have you seen it? I love it. <clears throat> have you been watching all the TikToks and everything, the videos of everything going on? I have I, yeah. I have mixed feelings because I, I think I've mentioned this. Jimmy Dorn is the owner of Madison Square Garden, which is the conglomerate that invested in and paid for and built the dome. And if you listen to the podcast about Jimmy Dorn, he's not a good person, according to 90% of the people that know him. So oh. there's some mixed feelings, but it's still a cool, amazing thing. Well, I, the, the, the uh, resident artist that is christening yes. is Irish friends. you two. And had a friend of mine. Heard of them. Uh, who <laughs> happens to be Irish uh, that made his way out there because he was like, there's no way I'm going to miss it. Uh, come to find out, like, for, for the opening, like, I think the the, the cheapest secondary market ticket, because he didn't get it on the first pass, was like four grand. Good. Yeah, four grand for this thing. But if you watch the videos, again, this is another one. Go to socials, check it out. What this dome does, like, if you get seasick, you will never be able to go there. <laughs> That's have you pretty ever been, cool. Have you ever been to Universal? Yeah. All those uh, CGI rides. Yeah, the 4D. Yeah. I mean, imagine going to a concert that is that. It's, it's pretty cool. It was cool. The videos that they show are pretty awesome. I, th I think our goal then should be to interview Jimmy Dorn in the dome, the, the, the sphere. Well, I mean, if we send him this episode as a sample, you already don't like him. just called him a shit bum. Yeah. I did not call him a shit bum. I said he wasn't <laughs> a very good person. That's the same thing. <laughs> no, it's not. It's these are synonymous. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a little Steve Miller out the door here. Quick break, and when we come back, guest of the day, we're gonna talk all things soccer from Bush to the Griffins and more. And he happens to be a soccer dad too, a literal soccer dad. Bring those guys on every now yeah, and then. Yeah, this will be a good one. I think our listeners will really. This one will hit home. All right, all right. We'll be back. We're down here at Maggio's. I forgot to mention yeah, that. Yeah, Maggio's. I just want to mention that I love that we're down here. Absolutely. Oh, it's great. The staff has been great. Location is perfect. 
please come down and say hi. Yes. We'll be back. Thank you. Zach here. I love my kids. Really. And when my kids have a knock, a sprain, a tweak, I like to get them back to 100% as soon as possible. I also hate deductibles. I get it. But now, in Missouri, I don't have to waste any unnecessary copay after my child rolls their ankle because now I can go straight to a PT. No more pediatric visits in a germ-infested lobby waiting for permission to go to a physical therapist. Axie's Physical Therapy has 19 locations from Glen Carbon to Winsville and specializes in rehab, especially soccer rehab. So instead of burning a couple of needless hours and cash going to get a referral, take that bump or bruise straight to Axie's. Go to axiespt.com for more info. And feel free to Venmo me your half the savings. Yo, Jared here. Remember the pool pandemic of 2021? I was infected. I needed my own oversized oasis in Winslow. I needed a simple solution to pay for it. So I reached out to my favorite undefeated CBC freshman standouts, Bill and Chris, at The Pinnacle Loans. Long story short, I have my pool. It's a flipping hammer. The loan process with those guys was so simple. Even I did it. Now, every time I get in my pool to drink ice cold beer, I can thank the team over at ThePinnacleLoans.com. That's ThePinnacleLoans.com. 20 and 0 as freshmen? Really? Red light. Ah, there you go. There we go. You too. You too. Well done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never been, and, and this is gonna not. This is gonna be fall on deaf ears or not. <laughs> just got muted. <laughs> I'm not a YouTube fan. I, I get that. No, I am, but I I don't geek out about it. They you know, like, have a place in pop culture, and they are extremely successful and have multi-platinum record. All the shit that you could talk about. It just hasn't ever tickled my fancy. Is I'll tell you what. I, I listened to Bono's um, memoir. The book, his book, 40, 40 songs. Yeah, or, and yeah. he he does the actual narration of it on the audio version or audible version, and that is one of the coolest audiobooks because he's speaking with his Irish accent and he's telling all these stories, and then they'll intersperse that with you know live music from recordings or them in a bar. Like it's really, really kind of a cool experience. So they, that made me more of a fan. Yeah, they're I mean, learning that story. They're, they're one of the they're they're one of the bands that were right <clears throat> really on that cusp of you know starting in the early eighties because I think the first album came out in, in eighty. What was the first album? Boy. And where where, where does Octoon Baby fall in there? Later. Uh, that was like 92, 93. Oh, That's shit. like so my high school years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Joshua Tree was in between there. Yeah. So, you know, they had Boy, War, Unforgettable Fire. Those were the three kind of big early albums. And then they hit Joshua Tree album, and then it was all bets off. Mm -hmm. They immediately became re realistically oh, well. the biggest band in the world. But my point was this is starting in the 80s, you started to see uh, camcorders, right? Uh, the ability to video was much more accessible 
So they had all this like B-roll footage of yeah. the the pubs and backstage and you know it was really that generation because everything Cut else was like news or hired, right? So anyway, um, so now that we wasted almost two and a half minutes of our guest time, <laughs> rolling in another real quick, Brian Haddock, uh, what's your thoughts on U2? Let's go there. Yeah, I came prepared to talk 90s rock when I heard that segue. <laughs> yeah, well, there we go. Well, you, you, you've got to be close to the uh, exactly. that camp, right? So I was in college, 96 through 2000. And you guys got to remember every dorm room just blaring Pearl Jam. Yep. Oh, oh, yeah. And Mike Jarrett here. I I don't think I gravitated to any one band or fell in love with anybody, but that genre, um, you know, the urge here locally was just, uh, it got me thinking here. 311. Jump. Yeah. Did you jump right in? Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> I, I, yeah, and I thought this would become a, a 90s rock podcast and... Not oh, we can soccer. we can totally make <laughs> oh, we it. can definitely make that <laughs> and happen. JB will lead it, and I'll just go hang out somewhere and listen. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think that the same thing. I mean, Jared, you talked about those albums that all came out within a span of like forty days, ninety one in nineteen ninety one, and I think it's just so iconic. Some of the music that came out in that time frame, but in U two was in that realm. I mean, they were still producing, still being very, very relevant. Well, in those early years, those years that you're talking about, you really had uh, Octum Baby, mm-hmm. Zoo TV, yep, uh, and then Elevation was the one that came out probably, probably closer to you. And maybe I'm too young, but I just felt U two was always the older adult, established. You know, that's I love and like it which was, would I, they break was their too. hearts because they started out with as punk a punk band like yeah. that's what they started yeah. out like well I think anti-establishment for, and then you said that they're, they're the adult contemporary kind of the safe option yeah. for yeah. us adults yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> like Brian Adams came on right after them well we all we, we all lived in the time of uh, remember Clue one hundred three point three. Right, oh, the yeah. oldies, KLOU, which was beep, it was fifties, sixties, and seventies. But whenever oh, I, I moved, when I moved back here from Chicago, and you know, my mom's house back in the day, she had one hundred three point three still on, and it was like the oldies from eighties, nineties, and two thousands. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the first time fuck. I heard Michael Jackson on KLOU <laughs> is when I realized, oh no, yeah, now I'm old. We're old. This is, this We're is all old. So let's talk about our old guest here. <laughs> hey, Brian. Yeah, but thanks for joining us, man. Um, Brian Haddock, head coach at the v- uh, Vianney Men's Program and the Narynx Women's Program, correct? Yes, sir. Father of how, how many? Uh, two boys. Two boys. Uh, a sophomore in high school and a seventh grader who is 12. So, and both play. Both play. So suffice to say, your life is uh, 11 and a half months out of the year, soccer? At least. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if not. And then the hours of the day, yeah. soccer, that's another story. Wow. 11 hours a day. Yeah. yeah. So, so you walked in here with your uh, bush, bush tea. Gotta love it. I gotta represent. Do we trade jerseys <laughs> afterwards on this show? I think I know. <laughs> I think I know your listenership, if that's a word. Yes. Um, and I think... There are uh, a number of Scott Gallagher folks yeah. mm-hmm. and a number of Bush folks. Without question. Those that live north of 40 and those that, like myself growing up in South County, were, were south of 40, of course. Okay. Yeah, and Jared was uh, way north of yeah. north and northwest. Yeah. But he ended up in the Bush camp. Yeah, I was, I'm in the Bush camp. So can we talk about a little bit... Um, 
uh, late '90s college years. So, uh, who, who uh, birth year? Like, who were your who who were your Bush teammates? So Bush. Uh, so back then, um, like you guys, I was kind of caught in that, like in between where it went from uh, playing with your club team as a grade school year mm-hmm. to birth year, uh, and I an- ended up playing. Um, for Bush 1977, mm-hmm. uh, for some phenomenal guys, uh, Jimmy Bokern, yep, uh, guys in the the National and St. Louis Soccer Hall of Fame, uh, Tommy Di Maria, yep. uh, Jeff and I were teammates. Um, Denny Hadigan coached the team below us, but we did a lot of training together. And then Jim Gutman was our coach as well. So those three guys, Gutman, uh, Bokes, and and Demo, for the formative years, call it. 11 through high school think about this think about the club game now and that you're completely aware of you coaching um back then and you probably didn't realize it at the time those names that you just mentioned and what they did in our game as youth and through collegiately and and now like you already mentioned there a lot of those guys are in the hall of fame think about those guys as volunteer coaches that we had in our youth game exactly and not only do they volunteer, but what had to be neat for these guys was that they started us when we were 11, and they pretty much had us through college. Right. Um, and I think that's the big club paradigm that's changed. Uh, for good or bad or indifferent, it's just changed, and that's just how it is. But as far as fondness for me, those were the memories. And not just being able to play for those guys, but that camaraderie that those guys presented the team. And, and those teammates of mine in that era – who still keep in contact together. Um, heck, there's a few of those guys whose kids I coach that we compete yeah, against. Wow. Um, you know, we've got Facebook group chats going about how the kids are doing. You know, we all have kids in high school now for the most part. Um, you know, you see these guys on the sideline. You I know, think Jeff's kids. kids are doing pretty good. Kind of. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if those kids have I don't a choice. Know, I, I haven't really heard that name before. Yeah. You said D, I think, D Maria. I think the young the young girl. Are they German? I think um, I think that she might be in a national team camp right now, or in, at least invited yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's amazing. Jeff was by far the best center mid that I played with. Yeah, what, uh, high school? Where'd you play high school? I went to St. Louis U High. Okay. Uh, class of '95. Um, of course, played for Bush, grew up in South County. Um, my college path, I had an interesting uh, and lucky path. I was able to play two sports. I was a um, Division One athlete, both in baseball and soccer. Wow. My first opportunity after high school was at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock when they had a men's program there. Um, played both soccer and baseball there. Long story short, that program had folded, and I came back to where uh, – I think I belonged and really enjoyed my time back at St. Louis University, um, where, where I was recruited in the first place in high school to play both sports. Came back and uh, played a year of soccer as a walk-on, kind of in the era between Joey Clark and Bob Warming. And uh, an injury to my knee kind of stopped the soccer piece, and then I played four <clears throat> years of baseball and graduated from St. Louis U in 2000. So, so how hard is it uh, coaching the Griffins as a Billiken at heart? <laughs> At first, it was tough, um, but I've been there so long. This is my 20th year in that building. Years. Wow. Yeah. And, and it, it really has flown. Um, but I, I really enjoy the coaching aspect of this. But, yeah, when we play the junior Bills, there's a little bit of a 
of a little twinge in the stomach, I think, still, even this long, believe it or not. A little slower to yeah. sub, a yeah. little... Sl- <laughs> you know, maybe, uh, maybe a little more trash talking behind the scenes um, and all that good stuff. But no, fond memories there. And just to be able to stay in that conference and to contribute is, is really special. You know, it's guys cool. that do that. And, and it feels like I never really went away. Well, I had to ask a, a random question because pulling through your, your background on your, your profile and all that kind of fun stuff, one of the things that I noticed was that in between SLU, once you graduated, then going to Viani, you worked for a company that I work with on a regular basis, which is Accenture. Yes. And I'm just curious wow. how um, how that came about and what, you're, what you thought about that. Because there are people that listen to this show that are not coaches and that have jobs outside of soccer. <clears throat> like really? Working. Yeah, no, it's weird. Um, and so I'm just curious what your experience was like with, with those guys. Right. So when I graduated, if you guys remember, late 90s, the MLS was, was at its infancy. There just weren't right. these opportunities that our kids have. Yeah. And I'm jealous, you know, to, to see what, what all our kids are doing. Um, and I pursued baseball and, and even kind of did that at the semi-pro level. But I got right into business, and I used that. That's where the mm-hmm. money was at. Mm-hmm. Worked with Accenture, enjoyed that. Did it for almost three years as a consultant, and, mm-hmm. and as you know, Zach, it's the travel, life, the lifespan of that. It's oh, yeah. the lifestyle. Yeah. It wasn't the work. It wasn't the people. I mean, the life skills I got were just through the roof. But being on an airplane, traveling, you know, every Monday and Thursday night just to get back home, and that was before I was married. I couldn't even imagine doing this and enjoying myself with a family. Yeah, you know, wow. um, and I always knew in the back of my mind that education might be an end game. And I just remember to some of these mentors that I had at, at, in high school that would plant that seed and ask me if I ever wanted to be a coach someday. And I never forgot that, even in those years after college and I got into business. Fast forward a couple years, I got into youth coaching, which at the time um, was the St. Louis Soccer Club. Okay. Hooked up with some really good guys, uh, dad coaches as well, um, Johnny DiRamundo, probably was the biggest influence Steve Petcher at the time that got me involved with some youth teams and that's kind of where it all started with with teaching got my degree went back to school and here I am 20 years later so what was the hook early on because you're still a young you know you're a young professional at the time you're making the transition out you love the game clearly you played it Um, excuse me why coaching though was it was it a draw to the kids was it a draw to the competition was it a draw to just stay close to soccer what was the impetus to lean into it i think the kids and the competition are are the easy answers and i think the answer from the heart is that somebody did that for me and those guys that i mentioned to jared um and then the mentors i had at st louis u high i mean i was reminiscing today when i was walking those hallways in the mid to late 90s I saw guys like Ebby Dunn, who had retired from coaching but still taught us math. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Steve Nicolarat with baseball, Don Maurer on the basketball program, wow. and wow. Gary Kornfeld. And Legendary at the time, names. yeah. And at the time, you just you just go through life, and you don't you know. Now you look back and you kind of pinch yourself that that these guys are legendary, you know, in their respective sports. Well, speaking of legends, when you made the shift, when you took the position at Viani. You're coming in behind, you know, one of the biggest names that St. Louis has seen in the high school game. Talk about Coach Villa going in 
and what what that meant knowing that shadow that you were walking in underneath. Yeah, it, it's a tremendous respect that I have for, for my job. I don't take a day for granted, the program, the school, and I mentioned the St. Louis U High names. Well, how about Viani back in the day, Mike yeah, Villa, uh, yeah. uh, Jerry Beckman with basketball. Hold, hold on, Jeff Halsey Eve. listens to this show, so <laughs> let's, let's mine. tamp that <laughs> down a touch. <laughs> Jeff was a goalkeeper for one year. Um, I think he was like an eighth year senior at our at Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he was probably in the uh, casino the middle years. <laughs> well, for our listeners too, also just so we can like make sure the timeline is right. So when you make it to Viani, and, and you, so you started as an assistant there under Cavane, right? Correct. Correct. So how uh, how I mean I guess late nineties is when Vitello left. Ninety six seven. Mike Villa, late nineties, ninety eight ish. Coach yeah, Dave Gavain yeah. had the had the the program all the way through twenty sixteen. And how long were you assistant for him? And I was assistant for him for eight years. Eight years, okay. And then prior to that, you know, as a younger teacher, okay. uh, working with the, the okay. freshman team, B team, junior varsity, things like that. Yeah, v- Villa is the one I want to focus on though, because yeah, yeah, he yeah, he yeah. comes. You know, all of us growing up, you know, Villa's Villa is one of those names. Right. Uh, it's it's the Terry Mickler, it's the Gene Bakers, it's Villa, it's you know. It, is now, you know, part of that time frame. You know, when those early, late 80s, early 90s teams of Vianney, I mean, you were just talking about it, you know, with, with uh, Polite and Clive, they were special. Right. 54 games in a row undefeated in this state amongst those schools. That USA, will never, yeah, USA Today National Champion. That, that will never happen yeah. again. It'll never happen again. And I think to put this in perspective... <clears throat> To answer your question about the humbleness of taking over a legendary program that Mike Villa once coached, I remember in my first few years, there was identification with our players to that era. They knew who Cliff Cliff Polite was. They knew who Mike Villa was. They knew who Jeff Yenzer was, Jeff Halsey. The list goes on and on. I mean, my God, they had 30-plus players on a roster who probably could have played collegiately Division One, and I remember this as an opposing 15 player. Fifteen of them in the in one year because we yeah. had Eric, uh, Derek Burton on. Yeah, his and class I, had 15, 15 guys. Well, that's that's Holsey yeah, and that's, 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 that's all those guys. And they would sub almost like hockey style an entire line of ten <laughs> yeah. guys, but then in the next ten they were no slouch. I mean, we're right. talking about the Timmy Tadonis and Kenny Costellos of the world on my club team, and they're coming in off the bench from Viani. So there was there was that identification right away. Fast forward 15, 20 years. Now it's interesting because kids these days, they don't, they don't know that. So I'm relying on, and this is what's awesome about my Vianney gig, their dads uh, know, oh, yeah. have been in the program. Well, well I'm going I'm I'm to mention Holsey again. You should talk to him because he has VHS. His dad recorded <laughs> all of those games. That's how like he saw my name on a list because our kids were on the same team. But we didn't really know each other. And whenever he read my name, he's like, holy shit, I've heard that before. He went back to a Viani versus Granite City game, found the opening lineup. Here's a video. And he's like, number 11, J.B. Anderson. He's like, that's you. I'm like, how many of those videos do you have? He's like, my dad recorded them all. That's crazy. You should, like, literally an archive. Of games from that era. Yes. And, and I've been head coach there for seven for seven years and the last couple years what I've done throughout our season is is invite some of these guys back as alums to speak to our oh, that's our awesome. team you know and, and in a perfect world we would do it once a week but if I can get two or three guys a year like Jeff like uh, Jeff Yenzer and Cliff Polite and all these guys but I mean it even goes back further than that you know we've got guys on our team who's 
whose uncles, older brothers, dads had played for Mike Villa. So I'm relying on them just as much as, as my own stories yeah. for them to, to give them the history and, and respect of this program that I have every single day. So, well, and you guys have been having a great year. You're, very you're, good. What's your current, your current record? Current, we're sitting at 11-5-2, and two, um, and a record like that with the, the schedule we play is, yeah. is very commendable. Well, and the thing is, is it, you guys, because I've been watching, kind of following, uh, Twitter does a good job now, some of these pages that show the, the local high school games. You guys are trading punches with the, the other big dogs. Yep. Um, so it looks as if this year there's a lot of parity. looks as if your alma mater... Slew High, you know, Bobby O and, and those boys, they're doing really well. Uh, they just, I think yesterday, Triad, was it? Uh, yesterday they played CBC. They the lost day, in PKs, the, I think. They lost in PKs. Yeah. Uh, oh, did they? You know, a flip of a, I missed that. A coin game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think the day prior to that or two days prior, they beat Triad, another strong team yeah. you know, on, on the east side. So how fun is it, though, you know, having grown up, you know, you're, you're a South County guy, you went to Slew High, you, you, you work your way into this path now you're at one of the you know the bigger names you know in high school soccer how fun is it to to look at those rankings and and you see it and you see Vianney's there and you know now you have a much different role talk about the difference between as a player back in the day when you did that and now as a coach because you understand you know that 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 history yeah it, First off, the sense is pride when you see your, you know, your an article written on your team, a player being named to the best eleven on a weekly basis, or, or even a ranking. But the job itself, the reward, goes so much beyond what you learn real quick after your first few years as a head coach. Is that eighty percent of what you do is has nothing to do with X's and O's. <laughs> Yeah. And I think what's special is, the, especially for a high school coach, that we get to see these kids in the hallways. In many cases, I'm teaching our kids throughout the day at some point and then seeing them on the pitch at 3.15. Um, seeing that growth from freshman to, to senior year, just like the player we were mentioning about a half hour ago who's grown in our program, um, is, is the best feeling for me as a coach. And that would be like my why I keep doing this. Um, and, and it's it's amazing. And I think at that point, and I, I coached quite a bit of club soccer, not just with my kids, but before I got into high school coaching. And that was awesome, too. But I feel like I'm walking hand in hand with these athletes, so to speak. Yeah. A little bit yeah. easier at Vianney because I'm teaching there. I'm not really employed at Narex Hall like I am at Vianney, but it's still the same special thing with the girls i'm glad you brought that up because we need to bounce over there because yeah um we have talked um in in the short period of the show about the powerhouse and uh that viani is and, and the history a little bit and there are some peers in your game um that also run men's and boys um girls and boys programs and you get to flip over and coach at Narenick, Narenick's in the spring um how much of an advantage is that for you because Maybe 25 years ago, boys versus girls was just a different animal. And I would imagine nowadays where you could probably have a sheet of paper and run training at the boys program and then keep that same sheet of paper and run it in the spring with the girls. And just to be able to see both programs through two lenses, uh, different lenses, like it's got to be a complete advantage for you in the high school game. I think it is for me selfishly i think it's 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 my best professional development you know to be able to put the boys aside in the fall and 
maybe tinker with some formations or drills or, or whatever it might be, motivation strategies with the girls, which will help me again in the next year with the fall and, and the, the, the cycle just keeps going. But, Jared, you hit the nail on the head, and this is a credit to the women's game. Fifteen years ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that, but now I, I can unequivocally say that if I stood in the middle of the field and ran the same practice with the boys on the right and the girls on the left, it would be high level. Well, part of that and also is we talked about the Viani pedigree. Well, Narex is in the final four year after year after year, which is kudos to you. So you have two high-powered programs on, on both genders that, I mean, it, I, it's exciting. It, it's great. And, and uh, these opportunities that these young men and women have also are, are great. But, I mean, getting back to the question about the, the session, yeah, the, the girls and the guys can do the same thing. What changes... And this is kind of what really motivates me. It, it kind of makes me want to maybe write a book one day about it is the message. And how do you motivate 25 teenage girls for a common goal versus 25 teenage boys? Yeah. And this is a completely different podcast, but I've, I've learned and probably have grown in more than any other way as a coach in that piece. Um, you know, the differences of training high-level kids in two really good academic schools, but one side's the girls and one side's the boys. Let, let me ask you a question because this is one that we pose often and, and I want to <clears throat> I want to see how you answer it if it's a universal answer for both programs. And that is, you know, for a coach, for a scout, um, you know, when you are looking for characteristics within players, specifically the younger players that are coming up that you know that are part of your pipeline at, on both the women's and the men's side, what are you looking for? So for, for a kid or a family that could potentially be listening to this and they're like, oh, my God, I want, you know, I want to thrive at Viani or my daughter wants to thrive at Nairnx, give them a little, give them a little head start. Is it technical ability? Is it uh, leadership? Is it character? What, what are some of the things that you look for that might not be just X's and O's. Yeah, I'd say all the above, but if I had to dwindle it down to a couple, I mean, obviously what pops out right away in a young player, 12, 13, 14-year-old, is the work rate on the field and the technical piece. Um, what, I, I don't think any player can get enough of that growing up. Can we dissect that a little bit? When you say work rate, because, I've, because I think there's a different definition of work rate amongst coaches. Because there's the ones, you know, some coaches view work rate as, they're just going to work hard. You know, even if we're doing push-ups, they're going to work hard. They're going to be the last one up. And then there's work rate where it's speed of play, where it's like, you know, they're moving to the ball really, really fast, you know, as opposed to kids that maybe grind. What, what is, how do you define work rate? I would define work rate in a player growing up as what are you doing when you don't have the ball? Yeah. And, you know, I, I would hope that when you're in the heat of the battle, you're working hard, but what are you physically and mentally doing? And that's the other piece. You know, a high work rate could be an intelligent player, too. What are you communicating off the ball? Are you a leader? Are you adjusting, for instance, as a center back, uh, you know, your weak side wing mids and, and goalkeeper communication, all that sort of stuff. So that's number one, the technical piece. Number two, um, two things I tell parents is have your child be versatile. And this is a challenge for our Absolutely. Our kids these days who are growing up and being pegged as just a left back or just a right wing attacking wing, 
when you're on a high school roster, we just like good players. And we feel that if a player can play on both sides of the pitch, he can attack and he can offend, that will look well, look good in a high school coach's eye. Um, so that's number one. The other piece is, is be a great teammate, be coachable. Thank you. Um, when a coach, because you never know what I see in a young man or a young woman, uh, no matter what your coach said, you might lead the team in goals. And I have so many tangible points here over the years at Narynx and at Biani where we've had kids who like lead our programs in goals but end up being a center back for a Division I college. And it's some of the neatest stories, but I think yeah. it's because yeah. that young player bought into just being a good soccer player and not just one-dimensional. Um, and that would be probably 1A for any eighth grader you know, looking to play for a good and making an impact sooner than later in a good program. I love that. And, and I just had this conversation with, with my son about creativity and, and versatility. And it is difficult when you get into club ranks because you do get kind of pegged as that that's your role and you practice in that or role. your position yeah you 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 get <clears throat> kind of pigeonholed a little bit and so i like to hear that at least at narinx and at viani <laughs> there's a, a you know a goal to kind of push the kids so i want to get back a little bit to what you were saying about writing the book uh, because i think it is it's always awkward especially in kind of our media sphere today to even talk about differences between boys and girls. Um, but I think it's so important to hear how you came to that. Was it, was it by trial and error or is it by educating yourself off the field? You know, how did you, how did you come to the point where you figured out how to, to, to motivate 25 teenagers? Push buttons. Yeah. How, how did you get there? Was it just all, it, was, it was experience, but I, I, I did a lot of reading. Uh, Anson Dorrance, um, the head Heard coach of, of yeah, mm -hmm. University of North Carolina. I mean, I think it, the stadium's named after him. Yeah, Laurie Kolepny brought him up a little bit. <laughs> he has some really good books about motivating the female athlete and, and also some of the differences, because I think at some point in the early 90s he had coached men. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and that's been that those were my go to books when I was a younger coach on the girls side I think yeah. with the boys it was just more of a natural thing for me to do um, the, the girls are great to coach because they just want to make you happy and they bring this great sense of social being social on the field all being friends and what I have to work on is to get that competitiveness out of them mm -hmm. and when I get both of that on the women's games magic occurs yeah on the flip side in the fall everybody on viani thinks that they should start <laughs> everybody deserves 80 minutes you know you can do no wrong i need to show you film as to why what you're doing isn't right everybody's a superstar um so the competitiveness every day at viani's innately there i need to kind of reel them back and teach them more of the chemistry of the team, team. humble yeah. them right and when that happens with the boys, and I feel like we've got that this year with the boys, magic occurs. Well, and, let me, and that's the baseline of the love book. that. Love that. That's wonderful. So, so here's a part B to exactly what you just stated, a follow-up question. Um, do you feel that this desire, this individual desire for the 80 minutes, for the start, for the position, for the rub, right? Uh, do you feel that that is a byproduct of 
kind of the accelerated expectation, the accelerated development within clubs versus, you know, go back to our years. Yes, we all wanted to compete for it, but there was a certain amount of uh, organic understanding that it was the team was more important than your minutes. And we played on select teams, right? Correct. You don't hear that word a lot. You know, yeah. we all had to compete and make a team. I think the pay-to-play uh, paradigm right now is great. It allows everybody opportunities. And, and trust me, that the club world right now is so much better. I am so impressed. And I need to thank a lot of these club coaches with some of the, the technical base they give our kids that we get to, you know, bear fruit of at the high school level. But with that pay-to-play, you know, they're sense gonna, of entitlement. They're going to find a spot for you. You might not be yeah. on team Navy, Premier, Elite, ECNL, MLS, Next, whatever it might be, but but you're going to play. Then you get to your high school game, and you know some of our programs. We've got to put it in perspective. We have two freshman teams, um, a junior varsity and a varsity, of course. And you know, usually we flirt around eighty to ninety players. Wow. Some of our other programs, over 100. Wow. So trying to concoct that and make it work for the betterment of the player, you know, with a keen eye of making them want to play, is is challenging sometimes. Well, I tell you what, that's a perfect... Love that. That's a perfect breaking point. Oh, another former guest. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did have Steve on. From Steve's hot dog. I always call him Steve hot dog. <laughs> I love seeing him uh, right there in the concourse oh, by yeah. Balkans and his his joint, dude, his dude, knuckles. Every time he's always out, just he's, awesome. he's always just ha- having fun. I, I just I don't understand the smile all the time because he works around cased meat all the time, and based on his physique, he doesn't eat any of it. We asked him; he said he does. Because I mean, he's like, I mean, he's a bodybuilder right now, and then he runs around on stage. Dude, I love that guy. I think he's uh, biologically gifted. <laughs> Brian, this one's for you. We're going to play a little urge, head out to a break. We're going to get some refills down here. Maggie O's. Uh, we're going to play Jump Right In on the way out. Hey, for the listeners, if you're down here at a city game, come in here really early or not a city game. Lemon pepper dry rubbed wings. We're ordering them tonight. They arguably are the best wings. Flats only. We do flats only. Yeah, we are high maintenance. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back with Brian. More soccer chat. See you, peeps. The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you, a loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate three to 12 bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy. Golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with Mother Nature, all at your fingertips. Visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the Music Box Chalet. And now, back to those guys. I'm excited. It's got to be a guitar riff. It's not. Oh, it's the whole band. I like We're it. We're rolling, man. I like it. This is Nashville, Broadway. <clears throat> Here we go. Like the on the Cumberland 
You like that? I love this music. Makes you feel too. good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I'm in a pissy mood all day, and I'm happy now. I, I heard a song recently. Luke Combs and Billy Strings do a song called The Great Divide. I almost asked you to play it today. I'll play it on the way out. It's so you good. know, uh, J, uh, JB likes that Luke Combs remake, that car one. Oh, my one. God. I'm going to puke on my mic. <laughs> I, I hesitated bringing Luke Fast Combs. car. Yeah. I, I did hesitate bringing up Luke Combs' name because of that cover, but that song with Billy Strings is great. Uh, you know, look, the dude's talented. I'm going to give him that, but song selection? Not so I know. good, I get, Hey, he's making a metric shit ton of money off that remake. Does the scratch-off lottery ticket so- uh, song annoy the shit out of you, though? I don't know what that is. You know, here's the, here's the only thing that makes me feel good about <laughs> Luke Combs blowing that song up, Yeah, is Tracy Chapman makes the exact same amount of money True. As they do. And when you hear hers after his, you're like, this is so much better. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so I, I want to get back into, it's been a minute since we've kind of gone down this high school academy discussion. Um, and when I say a minute. And our guest, who else to talk to? Right. Go so ahead. I, I think, Brian, you said something that I just absolutely loved, which is you thanked the club coaches for giving you players that have a technical ability because you rank that as number two on your list of qualities Correct. that you're looking for and you directly thanked the, the the club coaches for kind of preparing on both the girls and, and the boys side and I think we've had so much <laughs> animosity vitriol vitriol that's come out on social media on, on some our guests on the show and you said something about a kid that, that came to you recently and made the decision to not play for Viani and decided to play for a, a, an academy program. How did you handle that? Well, I, I thank them for telling me. I think that's hard for a young boy. I mean, in this case, um, the one I'm thinking of, the young man was a freshman. Yeah. And that takes a lot of guts to tell an adult, much less the varsity coach of that team to do it. So I, I'd spin it into a positive that, hey, man, you told me this. Um, and I asked him, can I have your schedule so I can go watch you play? And damn, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope others a, are he, listening. So he's a Vianney Griffin. <laughs> and I'm moving to Sunset Hills. One thing. <laughs> one, for no one that for someone that doesn't know about like the culture of our school, we're very family driven. It's it's a it's one of our it's part of our mission. Sure. Family do, do you need a bow legged uh, gray haired striker? <laughs> <laughs> Not that much family. Douche. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what I would like to see. Like, if I were to see the the evolution of the high school and club game together in the next five to ten years, I'd like there to be more of a partnership. And a partnership with just the environment in of itself, but just with the coaches and clubs and club directors and club coaches together. A couple years ago, I, uh, I found out where each one of my players played at, this is on the boys' sides, so this is on the, on the fall, what clubs they were on. I keep a pulse of every kid i know it changes a lot i try my best at the local showcases the, the cups random weekends at creve core um and i try my darndest especially the kids that i know that i'm going to coach returning to varsity to at least watch them play um 
it's within the framework of the rules. I'm not doing anything wrong. There's a lot of value in it. And that. it's one of the most enjoyable things that I have because of all the time I spend having a horse in the fight. Right. Um, you know, outside of just watching my, my kids play, watching my players at Viani and Narex play outside of a game that I have something to do with is really enjoyable. Um, and I can't so tell that's you. that's kind of how I, I approach it. I got to stop you for a second because I, if I was one of your players... Or a dad of one of your players. Or a parent of one of your players. And I'm sitting at Creve Corps on a Saturday morning. It's cold or it's it's never comfortable at Creve Corps. It's either windy, super stinking hot, <laughs> or freezing yeah. your butts off. But if I see my kid's high school coach coming out to support my Vested. kid... Vested. It's that's that's impressive. Well, and I, I just I just think it's cool. We're trying yeah. to develop the whole person, and that's a part of it. Um, where my story ended was, I emailed every club coach of the kids that I knew that I had returning, and it was a simple, "Hey, how are you doing? Here's who I am. I knew some of them, some of them I didn't. I coach, you know, Joey. Uh, I see you play him as a wing back. We see him as a center back or wherever on the field. You know, help me." coach him better what do you see in him that maybe i haven't seen are there motivational techniques just things like that i don't remember the exact questions and this was i remember when it was it was right outside of covid when everything was kind of shut down and i was thinking man what can i do to maximize maybe my role into a shutdown season and that was what i did that that's exactly what it was now i'm remembering it was right outside of covid before that shutdown year or after the shutdown so, so year. did you did you make that a permanent habit Moving. Yeah, yeah I, I, because I kept that relationship, and then now it's, you know, I'm on a great basis with these guys. You know, inevitably, as you guys all know, that the team, the, the pools change, the players change. Sure. It's almost like yeah. a, how do crazy. we How do we fix this? Because I, I don't think it's necessarily a club versus high school. Is it more of a Misha in the rules versus the club stuck in their ways, depending on what they are? So, like, can, can Misha evolve a little bit on the soccer side of things so, for boys and girls. So to be clear, Misha is the Missouri High governing, School governing body. Yeah, for so, yes. so like, I mean, in a perfect scenario, Misha could come to these clubs and maybe let's put City over here and have a conversation about other clubs. And th there's got to be a, some common ground here. You're exactly right. I think that is a solution. The, the problem with the Missouri State Association is that what they do for soccer, they need to do for everybody. So what that means in football, right. basketball, baseball, what they do with soccer and city and these clubs, they're going to have to equate that with other sports. And I think well, that's the, the challenge. And the other sports are starting to go the same path. Right, where ba are. Basketball in particular, I've talked to a few people that are really into basketball at a high level. A lot of those kids are not going to be playing high school right. in short order. Yeah, but that AAU season is catered around the high school season. No, but still. but there's new there's there's new leagues, there's new expectations that are really twelve month leagues. Okay. So. And then and then basketball's going down the same path with some of these high right. level guys with the academies and regional teams. But I know Jared mentioned Misha and I glad I'm glad he did. And this is gonna answer maybe Zach's question about the technical part of club coaching that I enjoy. Misha doesn't allow me to coach my kids in the offseason. Right. I get a small six-week window where they can touch a ball with me in a in a futsal gym or outside, and it's only three hours a week, and it's a minuscule window. And it's smack dab, and they're right in the middle of their club season. So sometimes yeah. I just 
don't even want to screw around with these kids. Let them enjoy the club. So I need to rely on these guys to be in good situations with good coaches, with good development. Um, and that was kind of why I do that, because I can't train my kids year-round. I can work them out. I can condition them. Mm-hmm. We can go in the weight room as much as let, we want. Let me ask you a very direct question, because this topic, there, there, there are camps that are spew vitriol towards clubs. Doesn't matter the club. They hate the academy. They hate the GA. You know, this is an experience-based thing. And then there's those that are on the far other side. Then there's, you know, a handful in the middle. Let me ask you just point blank. When you know there are kids that are going to play academy or girls that are going to play GA or maybe stay at ECNL over at Nairnx, um, when you look at the rest of the student body of the kids that are coming out, you just said earlier you had 80 80 players on the, on the boys' side. 80 plus. Yeah, 80 plus. It, it, it feels like to me, do you miss them? Do you wish them well? Or are you just like focused on your current population? You know, is, is, there, a, is there an issue in your head when you can't get a player? Yeah, I, I miss them in terms of if the alternative was to have him play on our field or not. Sure. But, but we stay connected, and maybe that's where I'm a little different than some. I, I, I would, I check in with them in the hallways, especially with the boys, since I'm in the building. With the twenty dollar bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jared did mention Misha. That's a direct. Yeah. That's a direct violation. Yeah. <laughs> my, Lord, my high school coach lived on the hill, went to school in Ophown. He used to bring pizza from the hill. Oh. I'll remember that for the rest of my life. All the guys that ever played at St. Dominic around my area, um, era. Uh, Lubricardis, Bartolinos, all the pizzas back then. She would bring it in. You county kids. Gosh, we would get a 12 pack of Bud Heavies and Marlboro Reds. <laughs> so when the decision's made, there's nothing. The decision's made, and I don't want to change their mind. But that doesn't mean that we can't develop that partnership so that I can watch him not just play, but well over the years check in on his development. Let me yeah. shift my question. Maybe one year right, he plays for Viani. Does. Does it affect your program, adversely or otherwise, when they don't play? I would say that each of these players would elevate our program in some way, shape, or form. Now, what that means, I think, is a case-by-case basis. I think the adverse, the negative piece of this kind of hits of what I'm a big believer on, and that's the, the chemistry of a program. Yep. Sometimes... Yep. No matter how good a player is, <clears throat> again, these are teenagers. We're not talking about city two and city guys who are seeing players coming and go, and they're in their mid to late 20s. These are 14 through 18-year-olds who have watched one of their classmates or friends basically disregard the program for a couple mm-hmm. years and maybe decides to come back. Um, I've been lucky that in the cases that where that happens, it's been a very welcoming experience, probably one that has exceeded my expectation because I think I, I get almost probably more panicky and fearful of, oh, oh my gosh, how is this going to be? Yeah. It, it's your an academy family. guy coming back. Your family environment that you spoke right. about. Right, and that's the culture of our school. Yeah. Um, but, again, these kids, I think, see these boys as their classmates and brothers. Absolutely. And... and um, We've Absolutely. Got, we got one this year doing it, so I'm actually living it every single day, and it hasn't been a better fit for the players and for this 
player who has chosen to come back to play his last year of high school soccer after he has inked a scholarship. So overall, would you say, though, that given the volume of kids that are <clears throat> off the board, you know, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, um, the dispersion, the school districts that they are in or the private schools that they are attending, do you think that this is a a, a wash effect within our backyard given the volume of kids, you know, because you, Vianney has five and Slu has eight and Dom has 10 or whatever, whatever that math is. Do you think that it's like a, a wash? Maybe not so much a wash for all high school programs, but I, f- I think when we talk about in my world, the MCC, yes. the St. Dominic's of Bigger the world schools. and the girls, we're talking about St. <clears throat> Joe's Academy, Narek's, mm-hmm. Goryezu, et cetera, et cetera. It, All the hammers. It, it's a wash, and it's becoming more of a wash as we see the pay-to-play academies get bigger and bigger with Lufus, and, and I don't know what uh, STLDA is going to plan on doing down the road, but as that piece gets bigger and bigger, it becomes more of a wash with those higher players, higher-level players that are in our high school buildings. Um, but, again, I'm a glasses-half-full sort of a guy. When those kids don't play in high school... Somebody's making a team. Yeah, I want, I want to take this a little bit beyond the high school level. And we've had a couple coaches. We've had Triad. We've had Webster. We've had CBC. We've had, I mean, across the board, St. Dom and, and uh, DeSmet and all these guys. Chaminade. Chaminade. Uh, so what have you done in your past that that's kind of helped groom that's oh, i cannot believe i just said that word <laughs> scratch that edit that out baby <laughs> that you've done to help these kids that want to pro- progress into a college environment where do you see your role in that for i mean we talked about one of your players and i'll say his name because his family is is part of our family which mm-hmm. is the mayor's you've got a senior aiden um who has been with your program now this is his fourth year his younger brother brody plays with our boys great family and he wants to pursue soccer post high school how do you feel as the coach for Narinx and or uh viani as part of that process what what are your what are your responsibilities there i see myself as an integral part of that um so much as at our parent meeting we outline this as far as what that help can be whether it's a letter of recommendation I've had many meetings with players who want to play. So once they establish the fact that they want to play, you'd be surprised how many high-level guys we get that just don't want to. The end of the road, which yeah. is fine. And, and I would do just as much for them. Yeah, that blows me away. Right. The number of kids that could absolutely play at the next level that are ambivalent about it. Yeah, and, and it kind of scares me. It scares me, especially with my younger son, who's um, a talented soccer player, but he's... You know, he's out at Gallagher a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, <laughs> we're in a lot of carpools, and that's just training. And, you know, he's in the traveling league. When there's no league games, there's friendlies. And I worry about the peak of of the passion. If you didn't coach I, high school, you could start a podcast in the amount of time that he's out there. <laughs> <laughs> what the the, the coach's pod. <laughs> Do, do you think that, you know, just kind of a little bit of a tinge in my brain, like, do you think that 
the volume and the higher level of the competition, the uh, expansion of training and development and everything that's occurring at younger and younger ages, do you think that the volume that these kids are going through is part of the reason why these capable kids are becoming less interested in collegiate level playing? I think so. And what I see at some of these, what I would call high quality training session is a lot of structure and structure is not bad, but too much of that I think can be a detriment. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot it's, of people say that. Lori Klopney. Yep. Instead of just playing three on three, I'm a big believer of those little three on three tournaments. I'm yeah. sure your kids did just, yeah. just play, you know, growing up in the backyard, put a couple cones over there and 15 yards that way and just get so after it. Shirts and skins go play. Yeah. 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 yeah well said. Um, and, so many of my younger son's games now, since he's playing it year-round, are friendlies. And I think sometimes everything becomes a showcase. And every, that, that attitude. tryout. Yeah, every, and, <laughs> and it's, but are you competing for something as a team? Well, that's the one thing that and, high school will always have as a, yes. as a feather in the cap. And this is you where start I'm going the, with that. You, you start know. the season, there's one goal. And that's it. And it's, you, you could... You can be two and twenty and still have a shot because districts are on the horizon. Yep. And you've got that goal, and you know we're lucky to play in great. Maybe tournament. not in the MCC. You can't be two and twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this though. I, I think one one thing that people say to me a lot when they find out how much time we spend training and all that kind of fun stuff are are you worried about burnout? Do you worry about burnout? Do you worry about burnout constantly? And I'm sure you hear that as well. And I'm sure you're worried about it. You just mentioned it. I have to ask this. Wouldn't it be better to burn out in high school before you go and play in college? I mean, Jared, JB, and Brian, you guys all played in college. It's not easy to play in college. Well, so let, let me just chime in and see what you guys think about this. Back in the day, select soccer combined with competitive high school was to a degree, it always felt fun. It was always a challenge. It was always your team, your teammates. I can definitively say, in my case, it was never a job. There was never, like, I didn't feel the impetus to monitor diet and extra workout. We just, we played. But then whenever I got to my freshman year preseason, real quickly, holy shit, this is a job. You know, and the things that we did as freshmen in college back then, you know, in, in playing... Kids are doing that at 12 and 13 now you, you, with with working out. So, And their bodies can't handle it, right? It's a, it's a lot. Well, what, I'm a getting lot. At, what I'm getting at is where those kids have made it. If you, if you get burnt out at the level that our kids are at within Gallagher, Fuse, SDA, whatever, if you get burnt out at 13, 15, 18, would you have made it in college anyway? That's my question. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. I, that, that. I'm going to take it a different direction. And the way I'm going is I'm not going to speak for myself. Um, but I think these clubs and U.S. soccer in general, and I don't think that St. Louis and our little bubble here with our little high school issue, which is, again, 10 cities in the country. Yeah, it's very unique. So, so But what I will say is, is I think these high-level clubs at 12 to 15 – are doing it kind of on purpose. Not on purpose. They're not vindictively doing it. They're just doing it. It's part of the process because if that kid is burning out, then we don't want you anyway. And I, and I don't think anybody's ever going to admit it. But I, I, like, I think there's a little bit of that, like, okay, 
we're going to practice Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And if we don't play Saturday and Sunday and we play on Sunday, we're going to practice Saturday. So we're going to play six days a week. We're going to do all this traveling. We're going to put this monetary value on your family, whatever. It, it's part of the of the beast. It, it's, it's, it's not just, I hope Johnny don't or Sally don't burn out. It's... Let's figure out who does burn out so we can get them out of the way. That's what I'm a firm believer of. That's kind of what my question was. Yeah. And I, I, want, I want your opinion because you're seeing it from the kids who decide, yeah, I'm not even going to go after the academy side because I, I want to focus on something other than soccer, and, but still play. Yeah, and I think the easiest thing to do is I, what I tell parents, maybe, maybe a great conversation is that family that's teetering. Do I play high school or or? embark in the academy and i what i would tell them is start with your end in mind yeah and work your that. way backwards because yep, you might be a son or a daughter and let's face it a lot of our kids are like that as parents we just want them to have a great education and enjoy some level of experience at the collegiate level uh, maybe high school will get you there because getting back to our friend aiden mm -hmm. uh, in my role in the process i can talk to him about a character standpoint and he's through the roof he's Absolutely. a very good soccer player i can walk two doors down from my classroom and get to our college counselor and grab his transcripts so everything that a college coach would want is right there at my finger on my fingers here so um is every that, high school coach doing the same thing you're doing, i don't though? know i don't know i, I the, 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 the answer is no yeah, yeah. the answer is no yeah, yeah. It, that was that was a political reply but i think it goes back, <laughs> well, I think it goes back with the, just the partnership of all this and when i email a college coach i don't just include like my stuff, yeah. I tell them what Fuse team he's on, yeah. what Gallagher team he's on, because put yourself into that college coach's shoes. I'm trying to make his job easy, and that might entice him to get Aiden a scholarship. Wonderful. You know? That's awesome. So start with your end in mind, and maybe that young man ha has professional aspirations, and he's in the city program at the age of 15. God love them. Keep doing that. That's a hard sell for a high school coach to even argue that. But I think that's even different than a pay-to-play academy. It is. And I think what you said is, is my – I had somebody ask me five years ago, my son, is he, he likes soccer. We don't have a club yet. What do you recommend? And I said, you need to figure out what you're thinking about as the end goal for him yep. as a player. Is it pro? <laughs> is it college? Is it just to have fun in high school? You mean school? you didn't go, how many can he juggle and what's his 40 no. time? How, how does anybody even know that at it's that not, age? They, they don't know, but if they're thinking about it, I mean, our three boys, if you would have asked them at eight years old what they want to do when they grow up, what would they have said? Becca would have said, eat bean nachos. Yeah, Drew wanted to go to Steak and Shake and get a cookies and cream uh, well, shake. Well, then I, my kid's different. He is. He's uh, professional <laughs> he, he soccer. Did. He did. I believe five years old. <laughs> and we know he's different. But he, that's what he wanted to do. And so we put him on that path. And I think there's differences. And obviously those, those things evolve. They, they change. That end goal changes. You have a kid at six years old says, I want to be a professional soccer player. Oh, that's nice. It's cute. Let, but let you me, ask them 10 years later and they're still saying the same thing and they're on that path, that's different. Yeah, so let me, let me I, ask I you, Brian, that. how fun is it, though? Because you, you, you're you you're embedded to the club scene. You're, you're out there. Your boys are there. You know, you know the academy directors at all three programs. How fun is it for you, though, to, within your two programs, that you don't really need to worry about development? 
you, you've already admitted that the training and the technical skills, it's, it's primarily being provided by the clubs over time. You get to focus on winning. How does, that, how does that affect your approach? You go in day one of preseason, whereas in the club world, it, it's more development, development, development. Yours is different, though. Day one is... That's got to be a lot of fun. The, yeah, that's what, yeah, that's and, what I want to go with. And that. I'm lucky at the programs I'm with to be able to focus on day one, making a product the best it can be on the God, boys' side by November 1st and on the girls' side by whatever it is, end of, end of, right around Memorial Day. Um, and I'm lucky because there are high school programs that are teaching the game. I mean, some, some of our smaller schools, um, and I've heard that from a, from a few coaches, and I don't, again, I don't take that, that for granted. So it's, it's a blessing um, and one I don't take for granted any, any day I walk in those halls. Yeah, because you do so, have the smaller schools that, that don't have access to the club. Well, let's also but, be yeah. realistic here, too, because credit when credit's due – 25 years ago, the high school scene for both boys and especially girls was different. There is a ton, I mean, underline a ton of capable coaches within our high school, local high schools. I don't care if it's a small school, a large school, girl, boy. There is a ton of people, and we've had a lot of them on our show, that have played youth-wise, that have played collegiately. Yep. So the landscape right now for the coaching for both boys and girls on the high school game here in the metropolitan area, or even as far out into central Missouri, Kansas City, you see them coming in. The coaching pedigree has improved a ton. I'm glad you said that. That was on my bullet points, uh, both with club and high school. But the level of coaching at the high school level has come such a long way. Oh, my gosh. And not just here, but, you know, Kansas City. I mean, programs like Kansas whoa, City Whoa, 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 whoa. Did he just say uh, the I think he said his word? But, like, like, but like, realistically. <laughs> like, like the JV coaches even in these programs, they were ex-collegiate players. Right. The JV coaches 25 years ago were the history teacher, and they made extra money to be the JV coach. They're collegiate ex-players that are playing, that are the freshmen or yeah. JV coaches. And they're no longer just teachers that are just getting bagged up. Wait, 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 I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your boy Ship. Greg Ship. <laughs> so, don't laugh too hard. <laughs> he, he, well, guys like that, I'm lucky to have uh, Coach Ship on our freshman team at Vianney. And uh, he leads our freshman program. We have two teams, and he kind of manages it all. That's wonderful. And he's also my junior varsity coach at Narex. And it's just, I just love having good people. I, I don't have a lot of turnover in my two programs just so that these kids get the and, same message. And most importantly, he's a weekend bartender at Amsterdam Tavern. The Mecca. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I tell you what, it's a, it's a, it's a close, uh, close-knit community. But yeah, uh, please expand on the, just the pedigree of coaching that you your peers. I mean, uh, it's phenomenal. I mean, just start with our conference. Mike Gavain, Bobby O'Connell, um, Josh Klein. At uh, at the Smet and, and Randy Roy and Coach Mickler at, at CBC. And Satori's I mean, the assistant. And at Timmy's the assistant with Vader yeah. at, at Chaminade. I mean, again, guys that are this next generation of MCC coaches or were my former teammates. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, Kevin Kalish at St. Louis U. You know, the battles we had with him in our Bush yeah. versus Gallagher days. And I'm glad, yeah. Jared, you brought up that plug earlier on with that program. <laughs> um, we have a starting center mid from Vianney, uh, Brogan Townsend, yeah. 15 at, at, at St. Louis U. <sighs> um, and, and we try to go out to as many games as possible. Um, Man. There's a there's a direct connection. Kevin's got there. a the, the the Kevin squared and the Englishman they got from uh, the United Nations down there in Springfield. 
Uh, they got a cooking. <laughs> yeah. They and the women's program, too. Don't forget about them, what they got going. Well, yeah, you're right. So, so I, I, I want to ask kind of a closing question uh, in because we go on and on and on about the, the, the whole high school club thing. But in the future, moving forward, um, I, I think you would agree that the clubs have been way more nimble in uh, adjusting and moving to the market via MLS Next, ECNL, GA. Uh, on the high school side, we've talked about it now for close to an hour plus about the legacy, about the names, about the old wins and the old ways of uh, building chemistry and, and, and family and all these things. But what came along with kind of that legacy mantra has been a certain amount of stagnation on the high school side. But let's talk a little bit about the changes that high school is starting to implement. And that would be... Champions League out of the gate. So Champions League next year, there's a group of high school coaches organizing this. I think it's great. I think it follows not just kind of the club world, but the European model of taking 16 of the top larger, let's say, uh, public and private schools, lumping them into a blind 16 tournament draw and getting after it next year on a few Saturdays um, with major sponsorships to pay for everything. The high schools wouldn't be responsible for anything at all, to my knowledge. And then having a couple weekends where you have your play-in games and then have a Final Four at maybe a mutual facility where you could, you know, get a big packed house. It, so, go, go ahead. Well, but but to be clear, it's boys and girls. Boys and girls, correct. Right. Yeah, and this would start in 20, so the fall of 24, next boys season, this, this would start. Awesome. I love it. Um, it's smart. Yeah, and it's a great way, you know, you mentioned social media. Um, and a great way for like our club families and high school families to kind of come together. Well, it's punching back in my opinion. And, and people don't like that <clears throat> statement because I think that the kids that are on the bubble or the kids that are on the pay to play or even kids that are in the city Academy, when they see this competition go down, if it's done right, right. They're really going to think like, I want to be a part of that. Well, and I think back to when I was growing up, the Maryville basketball tournaments were huge draws across the area for all kinds of people to come out. I think this is a way to celebrate high school soccer again in St. Louis that hasn't really happened in a while. Mm -hmm. Right. Outside of the state, you know, district tournaments, which then you're only you're only getting the fans from those those two teams, but yeah. these types of tournaments I think will bring out Let's a lot. Let's be clear more. though about the state tournament and give kudos when kudos are due. I think it's going to stay in St. Louis and when that state tournament started to go to say Kansas City, let's call it there's still 5,000 people at Soccer Park during that state tournament. And there's yeah. not just people from the schools there. I agree. There's avid soccer fans that come well, that are like, oh, Narex is going to play St. Dominic in the state championship, and it's, it's going to be a marathon. Yeah. Well, we, we've heard it from this, this source, and I won't name the source, or uh, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. They yeah. just locked up an extension. Oh, at Soccer uh, Park. It needs uh, to be. Maybe. It does uh, need to be. Because gonna... of that reason, correct? <laughs> You know, if I'm a forward thinker here, um, and this might be wishful thinking, but, you know, why not? I, I think the high schools, we talk about Misha, some states do this. I think in the next five to ten years, what I would hope this would take work on the high school's ends is to allow some of these kids to do both at the same time. Um, some states do this. It would take a lot of conversations, but I think it helps our partnership with the club world. Maybe it's allowing a boy who plays academy soccer, XYZ program, doesn't matter, to play maybe six games for his high school varsity team. 
and let those coaches talk about maintaining their bodies. So in other words, if I had a player mm -hmm. who wants to play for Viani but elected to play for Fuse or Gallagher City but still wants to enjoy this experience in a Final Four in a St. Dominic or a CBC they don't have tournament. six games in one week. And they, and they like the high school, and they don't have six like games D, a week. Like you DP know, me for one. playoffs. Yeah, me for one as a, as a high school coach, if we're playing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm not going to throw him in a game on, on, on Thursday to wear his body down. But maybe we luck out and – Man, that's going to be a fine line, though. Yeah, and, and – uh, but 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 I think the high school game needs ideas like that they because do, there right, have been do. no ideas that have been put on the board for a long long time. So I I think things like that you know working with Ehrenberg and helping spur on the the top eleven or the best eleven. Yeah, you know that's just, a great thing he's doing. Just well, I'm going to see him tomorrow. Actually, we play at Ledoux. Yeah, he'll listen to this. That was my idea. You were on that episode. I was there. That's right. So, but I think he hasn't used your graphic though. I've been noticing. No, nah, he keeps using that Canva thing. I'm like, dude, why are you using Canva? Let me <laughs> let me help you out here. Can we get Camp New in the background? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> no, but I but 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 I want to I want to commend you, Brian, because this has been. It's been awesome. I knew it was going to be fun, but you know, because you're you're a good guy. You're you're a great dad. I, I see how you are with the boys. You know, even when Beckett walked past a little while back, you know, just your vibe is the kind of vibe that if you know is if i had a kid that was going to viani be like look whether you play or not just enjoy you know mr haddock so kudos to you out of the gate um on that i just want to thank you for joining us as well oh, i so. appreciate your time and i appreciate you guys uh, being a proponent for the high school game i mean that means a ton to a lot of people that are going to listen to this absolutely coach ads um which i, I think did you that's just make name. that up no uh, i don't think that's new that's but coach ads um I want to thank you for for coming in for uh, being palms up. Uh, by far the freshest take that we've had on this issue. Um, it, it it it's encouraging. Um, I know Zach. I was just watching him as you were answering these questions. He he, he was, was crying. No, he he was, he was just. <laughs> oh my it, god! It, it it came from the because um, we don't have a, I don't have a horse in this game, but it came from a. Let's get the, let's it's work horse, horse in the race. race. Not horse. Both fight of you guys said that. <laughs> I, I can't I can't let it go. I'm glad you made a second one so we can Fuck correct it. you. I know. But they, uh, I'm just saying, it, 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 it's it, uh, it's a fresh take, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming. He's Welcome. biting its bit. To put a horse in that no yep. game. Yeah, and 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 just to. <laughs> Finish what, what what Jared's saying. He Jared is the best at watching people and understanding their emotions, and then he either attacks them or messes them up. <laughs> <laughs> but he's right in that listening to how you care about your kids, and I say kids, I mean the Narex girls, the Viani boys, and your two boys. They're lucky and to have them. They're you're very lucky, and I'm so glad you came by. So glad to meet you. Yeah. So and good luck with the rest of the fall season and next season. Yeah. So Mrs. Haddock, you you won. Good on you. Well <laughs> She's the rock star in all of this. <laughs> hey, we're we're gonna roll out of here. We're we're down here, at Maggie O'Brien's. Come check these guys out. I know most of St. Louis is down here game days. Come down on non-game days. There's always games on. And uh, again, lemon pepper wings, flats. Do it. Crescent Plumbing Supply, thank you for this for the uh, love, helping couples stay on budget. Axis PT, keep fixing those kids up. And Chris and Bill, love you guys. Keep getting people's houses, new houses, new homes. And uh, likes, follows, shares. That's the only thing we ask. We'll catch you guys next time. Soccer Dad Pod out. <laughs>